Alcohol overdose can be very serious and emergent. If left untreated, an alcohol overdose, referred to as alcohol poisoning, can cause a person to choke or suffocate on their own vomit or worse. They are definitely at risk for death. Welcome to Conversations with MIT Health. I'm Melanie Cole. My guests today are Don Camilio. He's the Assistant Dean of Student Support and Wellbeing and the Director of the Office of Community Development and Substance Abuse at MIT. And Dr. Sean Ferullo. He's the Director of Student Health at MIT Health. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. So I'd like to start with you, Dr. Ferullo. Give us a little working definition of alcohol poisoning. So alcohol poisoning is Essentially, the easiest way to put it is uh, when the alcohol level becomes high enough or toxic enough that you start getting many of the uh, physiologic uh, effects of alcohol from vomiting, uh, somnolence, uh, sedation, and then, of course, the impaired motor function of gait and balance and uh, other uh, functions as well. And Don, what are some signs, some immediate signs that someone has had too much to drink and actually needs help? Yeah, so there's really a constellation of symptoms that come together, but, you know, at first you're going to see somebody who might just look like they're lacking in coordination, maybe having some, some inability to stand. Um, if you try and talk to them, they're going to be very confused. They might not be making much sense. Um, next you'll see the speech probably start to slur a bit, so they'll be really, really difficult to understand. And then they might actually go in and out of, of being um, conscious, and that's, that's really a key indicator. If they're not able to maintain consciousness, we're, we're starting to get very, very concerned because, like Sean mentioned, you know, aspirating on vomit is, very, very, um, is a major concern. If someone is, has passed out, then we're looking for things along the lines of um, their, their pulse, if, if their pulse is slowing down, if they're getting cold or clammy skin, um, and then obviously their breathing. You know, if they're breathing very sh- in a very shallow manner or very infrequently, we're really, really worried. That means that the, the system is not operating like it should and that we really want to make sure we can get some medical professionals out to do an evaluation. Dr. Ferullo, how do you help someone who is very drunk as a friend? Should the person be allowed to lie down or eat? Can you tell if someone has fallen asleep versus passing out? Does coffee really work? You know, explain some of this for us. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the easiest answer is that someone should really use their gut and if, you know, something doesn't seem right. Um, it can be difficult to ascertain between just someone sleeping and someone passing out. If someone is solely sleeping, then they should be able to be aroused. You should be able to wake them up uh, by shaking them or calling their name or uh, other techniques to arouse them versus passing out where they really have impaired consciousness and, and won't necessarily respond to stimuli, either verbal or even painful stimuli, kind of shaking, rubbing, uh, uh, those sort of things. Uh, I think the being allowed to eat comes down to just where on the spectrum that Don had outlined earlier the the patient or the, the person is. Um, if someone's early in the process, eating food might actually be helpful to put more food in their belly to absorb some of that alcohol. But if someone's already has impaired consciousness, uh, impaired speech, and we're really starting to worry about vomiting, then eating could actually be more harmful with a higher risk of aspiration uh, and vomiting as well. Don, at what point should someone call an ambulance? Like Sean said, when, when, if their gut indicates that they're concerned about what's going on, call. 
call immediately, have someone come out and take a look. If they if they happen to reach that later part of those that symptom scale I told you about where they are um, losing consciousness and their breathing is shallow, cold, clammy skin, those sorts of things, that's, that's really late in the game. So we really want to get students to push back their threshold because no one's going to get in trouble. You know, we're going to have someone come out and check them out. And also, if they don't need any services, if, if they're in good enough position to not to have uh, to be transported to a hospital, they won't be. But if they are, we want to get them there as soon as possible so that the, the person um, doesn't experience any negative outcomes. And then what about at MIT campus, Don, specifically? What should MIT students do if there's an emergency situation on campus after 11 o'clock when urgent care is closed? Yeah, they want to call 617 617- Two five three one two one two. That's going to trigger an emergency response where MIT EMS and the MIT Police Department come out um, and, and respond to the situation. That is the we want we want students to put that number six one seven two five three one two one two in their phones, have it pre-dialed, and call immediately. So then, Dr. Ferullo, wrap it up for us about about alcohol emergencies and what you think is the most important information to note if you're with somebody, if you're with friends, and you think that somebody has really had seriously too much to drink. Yeah, I think as we've outlined earlier and Don has outlined as well, uh, we really want people to seek help. Uh, That's why the Good Samaritan policy is in effect. Um, I think we, as medical professionals and campus professionals would like, we don't want the student to feel like it's solely their decision to know if someone's okay or not. Um, And that's exactly why we have the resources we do, as Don has mentioned, you know, getting the professionals out to do an evaluation. If there's not a need for a transport, it will not happen. There won't be specific conduct uh, issues if, if for, for seeking help, and I think the, the easiest thing is for someone to use their gut, and if they know something's just not right, to not be shy to call and, and even call early and not wait until someone is really in trouble before they feel that they need to call at that point. And Don, what resources are available to students who struggle with alcoholism or are concerned about their use of alcohol? Yeah, we're very fortunate at MIT. I'm in the Office of Community Development and Substance Abuse. We have lots of different individual and group services that we offer. If someone is experiencing um, major dependency issues, we have great relationships with um, community partners that can provide more engaged outpatient or intensive inpatient services. So we want people to come in and chat with us um, so we can help them find the best set of services to, to meet their needs. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for being with us today. It's such important information. Listeners can visit health.mit.edu for more information and to get connected with one of our providers. That concludes this episode of Conversations with MIT Health. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and all the other MIT Health podcasts. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for joining us today.